following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Basketball Society. going on everybody it's alex fishbein of course back again with the atlantic files we are up to about episode number 76 i believe we keep creeping up on that episode number 100 and i mean you know we're gonna have to do something special for it but that's a little bit ways away so uh as you guys know or if you're new you will now know to definitely check out basketballsocietyonline.com and check out the Underdog Sports Podcast Network and theunderdogsports.com. So, oh, and I just want to say for any of you guys that, you know, follow the show, if you aren't yet, please do follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Atlantic Files. Uh, I will be posting, you know, kind of like schedules and stuff on there um uh, schedules as far as like when a new episode will be released like when i'm recording if something's delayed if something might be early you know like that'll be tweeted out uh whenever i figure out it when that happens um and then of course you know stay for the random basketball talk and the fun jokes and uh anything else i might tweet that as well anyway so, I'm here today to talk a little bit about the Knicks. I've been taking some notes on them on a few of their games here, and uh, there's some things I just want to unpack there on what I have seen on the Knicks. I want to talk a little bit about the London game between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers, and I wasn't expecting to talk about this but I also want to talk about the Toronto Cleveland game that just happened tonight and uh oh and a little bit about DeRozan on Woj's podcast as well so let's jump into the Knicks here now I watched uh, a few of their games the notes I took are from both games against the Bulls I did it that way because I think it would be cool to like see exactly what happened between you know the one game compared to the other game, especially since it's against the same team. So you can't say like, oh well, you know this team has a better bench than this team, or this team has this guy and this one doesn't. No, it's the same exact team, and they lost both. the The Knicks lost both. Um, so the first one against Chicago back couple weeks ago this was still in December um they started well you know they had active hands on defense 
they were double teaming and trapping when the the ball got to the corner um and they were attacking the basket on offense they were doing you know they, they were being aggressive on both sides of the ball they were getting themselves into the best position to make a play on the defensive end and the offensive end and of course you know it, it was showing because they were really getting out in front of the bulls in the in the beginning and you know uh getting some points on the board now <laughs> in the first quarter a lot of the reason that they were actually out to like a bigger lead than the rest of the game is also the fact that the bulls were just missing shots uh, in that game, they were just they they kept giving up open shots left and right. They they would help on somebody, and then all of a sudden, two guys were wide open. I don't really know why all of a sudden two people were wide open. Usually, you would think just the man that that guy left would be wide open, but no. There was a lot of times where you know someone would get sucked in from the three point line to come help in the mid range. That would leave his man open, and then all of a sudden another guy would be wide open without even anyone going to help the first guy that was wide open. So I'm not exactly sure what, you know, that they were looking at at that point. Um, Like there's no way that that kind of defensive rotation would have been taught to them. If so, then, you know, they should probably look into replacing Hornacek. That's just a, a wild, you know, conclusion if that is the case. Um, but it's been a reoccurring theme with the, with the Knicks on defense. There's been a lot of them just giving up wide open shots to three point shooters. Like, you know, if you give up a wide open three pointer to say Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan or you know a guy like that where their three-point shooting isn't that great if you give up a three-point shot to a guy who's shooting probably like 35 percent or less all right that's not a big deal you know uh they're probably they're probably only making one out of three at that point anyway so you know your chances are decent with that but if you're giving up a wide open three to a guy like, I don't know, Justin Holiday, who has been like just a, a spot up shooter or catch and shoot kind of guy for his NBA career so far, or if you give a guy like Laurie Markinen wide open threes, it's not going to end well. It's not going to go well for your team. The score will reflect that, and you're going to look kind of dumb on defense. And that's exactly what happened. Um, And that's not even talking about the most recent game uh, that happened last night that went to double overtime. Uh, That that was the game that they only gave up 92 points to Chicago. But, you know, so two things. One real quick one is that Cantor should never leave the fa- lead the fast break. Never. I don't care if, you know, he's out in front of everybody at, like, half court. The only way you should get him the ball and leading the fast break is if he's already at the opposite foul line and you just got to throw it to him and he doesn't have to take a dribble. That's the only time. 
any other time, get the ball out of his hands because it's embarrassing to watch him lead the fast break, to be completely honest. Now, other than that, Cantor has looked decent. Cantor has looked good on the offensive end. He's been showing, you know, more and more moves in his repertoire. Uh, he, he's, we already knew he's been a great offensive rebounder. And he's giving the team, you know, somebody that can relieve that rebounding pressure off of Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Um, and that's something you need, especially due to the fact that Chris Stapp's Porzingis is your, you know, your main go-to guy. And even he has said he's getting tired. And he would like to have, you know, Hardaway Jr. come back so that he doesn't have to carry as big of a load on offense. Um, now, the other thing is that they get lazy on pick and rolls on offense. This isn't even on defense. On offense, they get lazy. And as soon as they get lazy, that that brings them right into a turnover. Uh, the first time they played the Bulls, Dunn got multiple steals on the pick and roll. The second time they played the Bulls, Dunn got, again, multiple steals in the pick and roll. Uh, I believe in the, like, I think it was in the second or third quarter, he already had five or six steals, maybe, something like that. I know he had at least four in the first half, um, and and they were almost all in the pick and roll. Uh, it, it was bad. Like, for a league that is going increasingly to the pick and roll, like, we've seen the pick and roll a, a, a whole lot more these, you know, last few years than ever before. And that's even to say, like, in the early 2000s when they were playing a bunch of hero ball where, you know, you'd have just one guy dribbling at the top of the key and then you'd always have a guy come set a pick to try and help free him up. There's even more pick and roll than that. And, you know, if you're going to get lazy running the pick and roll, well, seeing as that's going to be a bulk of your offense, that's also going to be a bulk of your turnovers if you're being lazy like this. And on top of that, if you're turning the ball over at the top of the key, that's most of the time giving the other team an easy transition layup. Like, layup, dunk, whatever it may be, because all they're doing is stealing at the top of the key. Usually you have one man to beat, occasionally two, if both the the uh, the, the the ball handler and the screener decide to get back. But most of the time you're getting an easy bucket. And in the game against Chicago last night, in the third quarter, the Bulls had like over 30 points in transition. And the Knicks didn't get their first transition points until halfway through the third quarter. I mean, they were just destroying them in transition. And if the Knicks limited those transition points by even just like a third or a half, they would have won the game. Because in the half court, Chicago wasn't doing all that well. In the half court, you know, the, the Knicks were able to D up enough to limit their the, their offensive ability. They, they weren't really 
the Bulls weren't really hitting that many shots in the half court. Whereas, you know, uh, Beasley came in and, and right away was like five for five or six for six from the field. And he it was all in a half court offense. I mean, he was driving straight to the hoop and either getting fouled or getting a bucket. And, you know, uh, Porzingis started off hot as well in that game last night. And the, the Knicks had guys that were doing well in their own half-court offense. And they were D'ing up like, you know, the, 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 the D was average. The defense was average against their um, against the Bulls' half-court offense, which is better than giving up ridiculous amounts of points in transition. And a lot of that, as I said, stems from their pick and roll because they're just getting lazy. Like, there was multiple times where Jared Jack runs the pick and roll with Kristaps Porzingis. The Porzingis' man gets into his face. The other guy comes uh, and, and traps him right away off the pick and roll. And he just kind of like, oh, looks around, looks around. He sees Porzingis is open, but, you know, there's a tall guy there. Let me try and throw it a little higher. But a little higher is, like, not even over his head. And so he steals it easily. Transition points. Bang. This is why you're losing. And it's not only Jared Jack that's making those mistakes. Uh, Nita Lakina is making those mistakes. Uh, Baker's making those mistakes. A lot of these guys are doing the same thing where they see the guy that's open, but they're staring him down. And it's like, this was taught back in, like, elementary school not to telegraph your pass, but they continue to stare the guy down, and they're like, I see you. You're open. I'm going to pass it to you. Oh, wait, somebody stole it. Well, no crap. <laughs> like, we can see who you want to pass to miles away, and if we can see it plain as day on TV, I guarantee you those players see it on defense guarantee it is just like i don't understand do you guys not have like that baseline knowledge of basketball or are you just like actively not caring in the pick and roll it i don't know but um in the earlier game against chicago back in december uh they they brought up a stat that porzingis hasn't been that great since coming back from his sore knee uh, he's only been averaging about 17 points per game uh, on 31% shooting, 4 of 14 from three-point, and 12 of 18 from the free-throw line. Um, and I don't want to say... I, like It doesn't seem like he's affected by the injury. Obviously, I don't know like the exact pain he's feeling but it's not like he's showing any limp it's not like he's showing any grimacing or anything like that um i i know in the game last night he got going a little bit in the first quarter uh he was like the only one on the team that really had it going early on in the first quarter but then he thought that you know firing real quick off of getting the ball was going to continue to work against marketing whereas he kept shooting, kept shooting, kept shooting, and like firing super quick, super quick, super quick, not making any kind of move, just spin and shoot. And he started missing. But he kept going, and all of a sudden he's missed the next five or six shots. I mean, in the first quarter, I was kind of surprised because in the first quarter he already attempted like 10 shots. 
in the first quarter alone. And I was like, okay, I understand that you're like, right now you might be the only one, you know, doing all that much, but you should probably get some of your teammates involved as well because you just jacking up all these shots in the first quarter isn't going to bode well for the rest of the team as the game goes on. They're just sitting there, watch you jack up these shots. So, I don't know. I'd rather see Porzingis try and get his teammates involved in that kind of situation, you know, or at least just be a little bit more patient. Uh, you know, br- take Markin and down the block, you know, work, start like working him out, like, you know, uh, hit him with a, a couple spin moves or maybe like a fake one way, go another and up and under, like do something to, you know, prolong the possession and not just fire away. Sure, maybe if you're, you know, smoking hot on offense and you're, you know, can't miss a shot. All right, fire away at that point. But, nah, there was a plenty of misses in there uh, as well as a couple makes. So, I'd much rather see him be more patient. I think he's better that way. Uh, that may, Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Um, another stat that they brought up in that game was that they are the Knicks are last in the NBA in three-pointers made and attempted per game. Obviously, it doesn't help right now that, um, that Hardaway Jr. is out. I don't know why I just had like a brain fart on his name. I wanted to say like, Tim Hollis Jr. That's not even a person. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it doesn't help that Tim Hardaway Jr. is out. You know, he really brings a big aspect to this team that they're missing. Um, Porzingis isn't really attempting as many threes as... Well, I shouldn't say he's attempting as many... He isn't attempting as many threes because he still is... You know, I mean, he's he's kind of on pace with what he was last season. It just doesn't seem like he's shooting as many threes. Like, if you look at the eye test uh, compared to the stats, um, they tell... Uh, there's two different tales there. But, um, I like I said, I'd rather see Porzingis be more patient and let the other guys shoot the threes. At the same time... There just aren't many guys on the Knicks that I want shooting threes. <laughs> like, sure, I, I McDermott, fine. I mean, he's proven that he can shoot a three. Uh, he just hasn't really lived up to it in the NBA. Um, Hardaway Jr., obviously, you know, go ahead. Uh, Jarrett Jack, please do not shoot a three. You're shooting like 20-something percent. Just, just stop, you know, do some other things. Help the team in other ways. Um, Baker, eh, eh, I mean, kinda, but at the same time, maybe not. <laughs> Cantor, hell no. You know, so when when you, like, go through the list of guys, there's really not that many that you are like, yeah, I want him shooting threes. There's some that are like, maybe once in a while, there's one guy, I'd say two guys that are like, alright, go ahead, you got the green light in Porzingis and Hardaway. And then the rest are all, eh. <laughs> and so that probably contributes to the fact that they're last in the NBA in uh, three-pointers made and attempted. Just a wild guess there. But um, going back to the defensive side real quick, I... Porzingis left a lot to be desired on the defensive end. You know, he was really flat-footed while closing out on Markinen. 
Um, and there, there was a lot of times where he's giving Markkanen a ton of space. Whereas if you read the scouting report, you know that Markkanen is a good shooter. Like we have seen so far in his body of work in the NBA this year that he can hit the shot. He can hit the three. He can knock it down. Uh, and, and if you give him that much room, he's going to start knocking it down. And if he starts knocking it down and gaining confidence, it's not going to bode well for your team, as in the the last game they just played last night when Markkinen went off for a career high and made like eight three-pointers. So it, it, I don't know if it, it it's like a, a lack of of scouting or watching game tape the the day before or if it's just the fact that he's being lazy and not closing out enough like we've seen Porzingis do well on the defensive end we've seen him block a lot of shots and play some good help defense but for whatever reason if he's facing a guy that's like himself that that has a similar play style to himself his defense just isn't as good um, and there was, there was one time like in the, the game in December against Chicago where, you know, McDermott's playing defense against Valentine. Valentine loses the ball, gains the dribble back. McDermott can't disrupt him enough for him to actually take the ball. He gets lost on a screen. The guy who's covering the screener doesn't even try and hedge or, you know, switch or anything, leaving Valentine wide open in the lane for like a five foot shot makes it it's things like that like and in the the game last night one thing that I noticed is that they get lost a lot on broken play screens so what what I mean by broken play screens like we know you know that they're at the top of the key they call play a guy comes up sets a screen that they're fine with that they usually switch or they usually communicate but I've noticed in like broken plays where they're kind of scrambling around you know it's getting to the end of the shot clock and a guy just sets a screen to free up the guy for maybe a shot or or something they don't communicate much like I'm watching them they're not pointing they're not like I don't see their mouths moving as if saying like hey screen switch uh you know go stay with your man whatever I don't see much of that and in turn, it's leaving guys wide open. And that's what's happened. Like, Valentine was getting tons of open mid-range jumpers. Dunn was getting lanes to the hoop. Um, the times that they do decide to hedge, the guy who's chasing the ball handler is still chasing him, and they're not talking about a switch, leaving the, the screener wide open, and they're finding the screener for a, an easy bucket. There's just not much communication going on on the defensive end, and that's where a guy like Joakim Noah... Now, I know people are going to be like, oh, Joakim Noah's been terrible for a long time. He's been hurt, blah, blah, blah. But he's the defensive anchor kind of guy that you need to boister... Boister? Bolster. It's bolster. (laughs) To bolster your defensive communication. That's the kind of guy you would need. But, of course, he's hurt and he's not playing. Uh, Well, actually, he might not even be hurt anymore. I'm not exactly sure what's going on with Noah at this point in time, but he's not playing. Neither is Hernan Gomez for some reason. Uh, I feel like, you know, you should probably give him some more playing time uh, and develop him at least a little bit maybe. Just thought. Uh, But 
nevertheless, there needs to be a lot more communication. These guys are telegraphing so many passes on the pick and roll and just being lazy, trying to force passes through double teams, which makes no sense. I don't think they really follow any kind of scouting report because last night they even said they had a direct quote from quote from Hornacek saying they have to be ready for a one pass and a shot because the Bulls do that a lot and so many times it happened wide open they're coming down the floor one pass shot there's no defender there like if you talked about this if Hornacek knows this and he's he knew it enough to even directly say that in an interview at the game how are you not prepared for that like, and I'm not saying it was like a crazy play, like, oh, these guys are scrambling, they're trying to get back, and they're that's why he's wide open. No, there's like three guys back there, and they're not stepping up and putting a hand in the guy's face. So, like, people wonder why they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. This might be a little bit of a clue. Just saying. Alright, so moving on to the London game. The Celtics did win that, 114-103 over the Sixers. And at one point in time, the Sixers were up, you know, over 20 points. And they blew the lead. Surprise, surprise. Celtics came back and pretty much made it a blowout in the end. Um, Yeah, I mean, going into halftime... The Sixers were up nine. In the second quarter, the Celtics outscored the Sixers 37 to 22. And this was due in large part to Horford and Jalen Brown. And Marcus Morris. I should I should include Marcus Morris in there in there as well. But Jalen Brown, a plus thirty-four, Horford, a plus thirty-two. And Kyrie was a plus 22 as well, even even though he only shot 7 for 20 and 3 for 10 from 3. I mean, uh, the Sixers continue to blow leads. Um, and like I said, yes, this is a thing that happens to a young team. But, you know, they're going to have to show signs of, of figuring out at some point to give anybody hope that they're going to stop blowing leads. <laughs> um, but at the same time, the Sixers bench is pretty awful. I mean, today, Ben Simmons, Redick, and TJ McConnell were the three best players for the Sixers. Embiid was not good. Uh, he he just wasn't good. Covington wasn't good. Sharich was not good. Um, but then you look at the bench, and you have Trevor Booker, Rashawn Holmes, Jared Bayless, Luau Cabarro, Justin Anderson, and then he had gastroenteritis today, but usually have Amir Johnson. Now, when you go through those list of guys, I'm not I'm not putting TJ McConnell in there because he is a decent bench player, but he's not the scoring kind of bench player that they need. So I'm just not, you know, include lumping him into this group. But when you go through that list of guys, tell me where the scoring is supposed to come from. Now, I know that Markel Fultz is not playing. He's hurt. And, you know, he might be able to remedy that. 
But you look at that bench, and there's no scoring there. So if you ever want to give Embiid and Simmons rest, you're throwing in a bunch of guys that you don't even know if they're going to make one bucket. I mean, Booker, Holmes, and Bayless all went one for two. They only even attempted two shots. Wawa Cabrera was 0 for 1. Anderson played half the minutes of those guys and put up four shots. And scored more points than them. Sure, it was garbage time, but still. So, and here's the thing. I, do I guarantee? Maybe I do guarantee the fact that if they put a guy like Lou Williams on that bench, they wouldn't be giving up half of these leads. I really, truly believe that. And that's just the the fact of the matter. Now, going to Boston, I give more credit to Boston here instead of blame on the Sixers because they were doing everything right in the second half. I mean, their double teams on Embiid when he was in the paint were great. They were forcing turnovers on him. They were, you know, really disrupting his his flow and his uh his his gameplay. Uh, so they were getting him out of rhythm. That's why he looked bad. Uh, they they didn't let Redick and Simmons kind of take over. They didn't let them, you know, electrify the whole team and get them behind them. Kyrie Irving obviously do, did what Kyrie Irving does. Uh, Jalen Brown had a great game for himself, shooting 8 of 15 for 21 points, playing some decent defense along with it. Horford uh, also doing what he does best in, in an all-around game with 13 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. And they had some great help off the bench from Marcus Morris, who put in 19 points of his own with eight rebounds. I mean, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, when, you know, they were, it, the, the game wasn't out of reach yet, but they needed to put together just a little bit more point, a little bit uh, more of like a run to get it out of uh, Philly's reach. Marcus Morris was the one putting in those buckets to do so. And he came up big for them. And obviously, in the end, the Celtics win. That's just what it comes to. So, moving on to the surprise of today. The Raptors beat the Cavs 133-99. to You're hearing that correctly. They beat them by 34 points. And this is without Kyle Lowry. And without Ibaka. And with DeRozan only playing 29 minutes and scoring 13 points. And they just embarrassed the Cavs. I mean, embarrassed. There's a video out there of LeBron yelling at his teammates. Apparently Kyrie Irving liked it and, you know, trolled him. This is that was just bad, man. <laughs> and Van Vliet had himself a night. Van Vliet shot eight for 11, six for eight from three point for 22 points, four assists, four rebounds. Uh, Pirtle had 12 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks. Siakam had 16 points, seven rebounds, four assists. 
Valanchunas had 15 and 18. Uh, CJ Miles chipped in 16 points. Like, this was a great, great all-around win by the Raptors. Even a guy that I feel like some of you guys probably don't even know, Malcolm Miller from Holy Cross. He came in and knocked down two threes. <laughs> Lorenzo Brown came in and chipped in six points and five assists. Like, everyone was doing everything. Norman Powell came in six for 15 for 14 points, three assists, six rebounds. And on top of that, the team only turned the ball over nine times. I mean, the Cavs only turned it over nine times, too. But the Raptors shot 50% from the field overall, 42.9% from three, while the Cavs shot 38% from the field and 23% from three. I mean, J.R. Smith didn't hit a single shot. Isaiah Thomas was two for 15. Kevin Love was two for, excuse me, two for eight. Dwayne Wade was two for eight. Corver was two for six. I mean, they were just, it was a great combination of the Cavaliers being awful and the Raptors being borderline perfect. Especially, like, the the mind-boggling thing is that this is all without Lowry and Ibaka. Now, I was talking with the Basketball Society guys in our group chat, and I said I have a oddly good feeling about the Raptors this season. I don't know. There's just subtle differences in their offense. There's subtle differences in how this team works. I like Miles, uh, you know, taking taking the place of Damari Carroll. And I just like what these bench guys are doing. I love the addition of OG Anunobi. I just, I have a oddly good feeling about this team. And I I hope they prove that right. That's all I'm saying. I just hope they prove that right. That that's really what it comes down to. But thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Atlantic Files. Please, please, please drop a five star rating there in the iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Uh, that you know gets us to be our, our that makes the the podcast more visible to everybody you know might get us on the front page whatever it may be or or on the top 200 list like we have been a couple times thanks to you guys and you know I, the more we're on there the more i can get some better guests on here and i can get some cool people to to interview and you know get some some really cool content for you guys so please drop a rating in there as well uh, please follow me on Twitter at Atlantic Files. That's where you'll see all my updates for the podcast as well. Wh- whether I'll be something will be delayed, whether I'm not recording for a week or something, whatever it may be, that'll be on Twitter. Also, please, please, please check out BasketballSocietyOnline.com. Lots of great content on there for you guys. And check out the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Tons of good podcasts on there. I'll even a handful of basketball society podcasts on there as well but that is it for me this week everybody thank you for listening and i'll catch you guys next week peace